3: Welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Currency Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Roboters in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi wa meni sagaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program to my cool guests. My guest today is Mayumi Wejima-Kar, who is the co-president of Table for Two USA, and also join our exciting guests, uh, Josh Evan Shuraket, who is the instructor of the Washo program, which we're going to discuss later, and Alex Aliano sambon another Washo program coordinator. And Table for Two was first established in Japan in 2007 and it it offers a unique charity program to provide school meals to children in need by improving diet of the adults. Their program is so popular that it has spread to 14 countries including the US. And here's why. According to the Table for Two website, in the world we live in right now, 1 billion people suffer from hunger. While 1 billion suffer from obesity, diabetes, and other health issues related to overconsumption. In other words, Table 4 Two found a way to offset the two major problems. So today we'll discuss how Table 4 Two's program works, why the program is so effective, the unique campaigns to inspire our community, such as Onigiri Project, and much, much more. But quickly before we start, Japan Needs is available on Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes and Stitcher as a podcast. So please go to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe to Japan Needs. Also, if you have any ideas about the topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. And you can email us at japan needs at Network, org or kikokatema.com. Now let's start our conversation with Mayumi, Reg uh, Alexis ariano Sanborn, and Joshua uh, Evan So welcome. So, uh, so first of all, let's talk about your background because I think uh, we just want to know who you are. So, Mayumi, uh, where are you from, and where you, uh, when, why did you come to the States? Because I realize that you have a huge uh, pharmaceutical background. <laughs>
4: Hi, um, I'm Mayumi. So, um, I'm originally from Tokyo, and I grew up there. And first time I came to the US was like back ten years ago. I went to a business school in Arizona. It's called Thunderbird. Uh, It was in a small town, but uh, students are from over 150 countries. Mm. It's like a mini world. Uh Um, I really enjoy, you know, living there, you know, working together with people from multicultural backgrounds. And I decided to pursue more like global career. And after the graduation, I joined a global pharmaceutical company and uh, actually i went back to japan i worked for that office in japan and then actually i met my husband who is an american and then um we got married and then after a few years we decided to move back to the u.s to pursue both of our careers
3: Mm -hmm. okay so and what about you alexis
5: Uh, Hi, Akiko. It's great to be here. Um, So my background, I'm from California originally, so I'm a transplant to the East Coast. Um, I came originally here for graduate school and then moved to New York after that. So I've been uh, in New York for about four years now. My background is in Japan and East Asian studies. It's um, what I've been studying since the age of 14. Um, And food has always been something that I've been interested in. And so... um, my connection to Japanese food has been sort of a, na- a natural uh, progression from growing up in sort of an agricultural uh, heartland in the Sacramento Valley and um, just the connection to food, uh, nature, and seasons. So um, Japanese culture has a lot of that um, in how they approach their own food and cooking and uh, being involved in the washokwiku um, was sort of a natural natural Mm, progression
3: right and then uh, hopefully you're going to be back on another project which is your film film about Japanese school lunches yes
5: that's right so uh, for the past uh, several years or so I've been studying about Japanese food education and food education law and um, have been doing a lot of independent research this is based off of my the inspiration for this was based off of my own experience eating school lunch in a rural Japanese school and you know, maybe I'll hold that that story for a later time, but um, it's really uh, inspired uh, my connection to helping to promote kids having a healthy, balanced, uh, nutritionally balanced um, upbringing from, from very early on. Mm-hmm. And I was recently in Japan this past summer working on a documentary entitled Nourishing Japan, which looks at not only food education, uh, but the people who help support this entire initiative.
3: Mm, okay. So hopefully sometime in months or maybe early next year you'll come back. And yeah, I
5: hope so. I'm working on the trailer right now. Okay. So I hope to be able to share it sometime soon.
3: Okay. So keep us posted. And what about you, Josh? You have a very interesting background. too. <laughs> I
6: don't know about that, but um, I grew up right here uh, in New York. So it's, uh, you know, it's been home my whole life. Um, you know, so the multicultural background, the sort of big, you know, urban center has always been something that's been kind of in uh, my family and in my life. Um, So I guess the food thing starts there, um, and I think the Japan uh, interest started there as well, Um, and I've been sort of spending the rest of my life since then trying to take those two paths and sort of, you know, put them together in different ways, so um, I did my culinary training uh, many moons ago back at the CIA, um, and uh, now I am a a PhD candidate at Columbia working on Japanese food history, Mm. Um, so... That's the uh, current project, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be involved um, in the Washukwiku project as well. So, you know, many, many thanks to um, to Alexis and to Mayumi and to Deborah and everybody else involved for um, mm. getting me in to be uh, the New York instructor. Great.
3: So I'm hoping to have Josh again for future program too. So keep yes, it I
6: will come in and nerd <laughs> out about uh, Edo period food and health texts. It'll be great. <laughs>
3: that I think is been foundational for Japanese cuisine. So looking forward to it. Thank you. Okay, so uh, so we're gonna talk about uh, Table Four 2 USA, which is very interesting later. But the, first of all, what is Table Four Two? I mean, which re- originally started in Japan.
4: So Table Four Two is a non-profit organization um, started in Japan. Um, so it's expanded to like fourteen countries. Um, so it was like um, funded by the some of the Japanese leaders and. Um, there was a World Economic Forum they have a young global leaders conference so there are you know leaders from all over the world they discussed about global issues how what you know take action they can take and one of the group discussed about obesity and hunger issue that's a big issue in the world mm. so the four Japanese leaders came up with this idea and then decided to implement that's how it started
3: mm okay and uh, i mentioned briefly at the beginning of the show but uh, what is the core program at the table for to achieve the mission
4: so its mission is to um, tackle obesity and hunger issue so there are 7 billion people in this world but you know 1 billion people um, having like hunger issue and on the other hand close to you know 2 billion people have like obesity and they have other health issues like related to unhealthy eating mm-hmm. sometimes eating too much so we are trying to solve both issues at the same time and um, how it works is pretty simple um, so as the name said Table for Two um, so there's a dating site called Table for Two but it's not a dating <laughs> site it's a lovely concept so people are like sharing a table so Table for Two partner with any place selling food could be corporate cafeterias or, you know, food companies and restaurants. And they, they just designate healthy items as table for two meal or items. And then if you purchase that healthy item, just small portion, 25 cents in the U.S., like 20 yen in, uh, in Japan, will be donated to provide one school meal to a mm. child in need.
3: Right. So it's a really um, um, calculatable, visible one-to-one relationship. Mm-hmm. That's another key element hi mm-hmm. okay so um, so in German how does a table food actually offer a healthy food for adults like you know you have a meal um, developed for that healthy purposes but then is it based on contracts with the organizations which have cafeteria or products that they can you know, can buy at stores kind of a- mm-hmm.
4: so we partner with in you know, basically any place like selling food so it could be uh, we partner with corporate cafeterias or Restaurants, so we have kind of application. It's like contract. You know, what what meal uh, meal will be the healthy meals, and then uh, how much portion will be donated, and you know how long and how to use the logo. That's kind of a simple you know contract
3: we have. Mm, Mm -hmm. Right. And actually, I saw on one of the websites again. I was like reading blogs and stuff, and then one of the university students said, "I was just eating this uh, menu, which I, I when I was not too hungry." I opted for that healthy meal. Mm-hmm. And I read about this uh, table of two. Mm-hmm. The, the meal was provided by um, table of two, he, which he was not totally aware of. And he saw the cost, and he's always eating the meal, table for two, from now.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, a, you know, it's a kind of simple step, and it's a kind of win-win. You know, people um, eating table for two healthy meal is that healthy, good for you. At the same time, um, you know, by just eating lunch, you can help one child.
3: Mm, right so and you stay healthy you, you get healthier mm-hmm. right yeah okay so when i saw uh, the website for instance in japan they have uh, itochu ibm hitachi google mitsui seido 3m nomura goldman Sachs, to name a few like all those major companies joined mm-hmm. table for two programs so mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah right and then what kind uh kind of uh all countries are accepting donations from table for two like what kind of uh what country
4: is accepting? Mm-hmm. So um, we support many countries, um, put, you know, to provide school meals. So some countries in East Africa, like Ethiopia, Rwanda, like Kenya, Tanzania, and also some of the Asian countries, like Philippines and Myanmar, and also actually some of the you know even developed countries. Mm. Um, we help some of the school meals.
3: Mm. So uh, the how. You know, so t- for corporations, you approach, right? And then ask for support. Mm-hmm. And then for c- countries, you go to the government? Or how does it work? Uh, so you mean to expand the Table Right. Program? Um Right. So this is
4: actually so amazing that um, we usually have, like, very motivated leaders in one country. They just, you know, heard about Table two concept and just initiate this program. So um, so we partner with actually World Economic Forum. And so they do have a like, uh, wide you know, global network. So at the conference, their global conference, some of the healthy school meals, uh, a healthy table for two meals are provided. And people you know, got to know about this. And then they went back to their own country. And then they just start table for two.
3: Mm, OK. And uh, the countries, for, for instance, Someone who's listening to program. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want uh, school kids of certain countries in Africa. We want to have uh, the support, so they can come and uh, talk to you. I mean, the table to Japan or U.S. to Mm -hmm. ask for support. That's how it works.
4: Uh, So we have uh, a table. Headquarters in Japan, Mm -hmm. so they, um, you know, they can contact and then you know just discuss like what possibility, what kind of partnership we can do and.
3: Mm, okay. Right. And also if other uh, companies want to support, they just come go to the website and then apply for support.
4: hmm Yes. Um so we you know, first talk and what kind of programs um they can implement, or uh, cafeteria or you know other ways. So we have like vending machine programs and what works best and then um they decide, you know, how to implement. So we kind of work
3: together. Mm. So you just mentioned vending machines. So um, at the cafeteria, then vending machines, and what else? What kind of uh, versions of the support can you offer?
4: Um, so it's a, you know, interesting part. Is uh, it's very creative. Um, so they can implement at cafeterias or restaurants, and also um, we have a program called like. Um, Gift walk. Uh, mm-hmm. This is like people walk, and then there's uh, iPhone apps that they can count how many steps the person w- walk. So if they the person walk ten thousand steps, the company donate ten cents. So it's like you know starting from you know, food, but something you know if you exercise, doing something good mm. for you that can be also a table for the program. So I think interesting part is with the basic model, kind of you know you can be creative.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe like gyms and Whoever wants to support mm-hmm. can join. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. So, the, all the details are at, uh, the website, on the website, table the table Yes. table org. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, I'm curious what countries, are, you know, you said 14 countries are participating and donating. Mm-hmm. And so, what countries, except for, uh, in addition to Japan and the uh, US?
4: Yeah, there are some countries in Europe, like Germany, like Switzerland norway like italy and south (laughs) arabia Mm. and some asian countries like hong kong like australia vietnam so Mm. it's been like spreading
3: wow it's Mm -hmm. really global Mm -hmm. and uh, how many meals have uh, the table go to served to children so far
4: so so far like 52 million meals and so it's, it's a small step but adding up and um we support over thirty thousand students, you know, every year mm. to provide school
3: meals. Okay. So, do you switch, rotate the countries, or do you just keep expanding?
4: Uh, yes. Sometimes uh, we're trying to, you know, continue, mm-hmm. and then sometimes, you know, if we ra- you know, when we raise more donation, and then we can support more schools and mm. more like countries. And, mm.
3: mm-hmm. Okay. Um, All right, so I want to talk a lot more about the USA. So let's take a quick break here. And when we we come back, we'll talk about uh, the activities and Table to USA and the inspiring projects uh, to educate American kids. So please stay with us.
1: This episode is brought to you by Castor & Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets.
3: Welcome back, you're listening to Japanese podcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Aki Kote and my guest today is Mayumi Uejima-Kark, kart who is a co-president of Table for Two USA, and also joined our Alexis Aliano Sambon, the Washokoek program uh, coordinator, which we're gonna talk about later. And Josh Evan uh, Shaket, uh, who is an instructor of the Washakweek program. So now uh, so when and how uh, for the table for two USA is founded. Uh, it was
4: founded um, back in
3: 2010
4: mm-hmm. uh, we had a launch event at actually Columbia University in New York so we our expert advisor is Professor Jeffrey Sachs so he gave a like lecture and also talked about table for two and you know a few hundred people got together and mm. that was launch
3: event right. oh, actually the the uh, the Jeffrey Sachs the professor who was the original insp- person who inspired the founder mm-hmm. of Table to, USA, uh, to Japan, right?
4: Yes, yes. You know, He gave the inspiration, and you know, he, he agreed to be an expert advisor, mm-hmm. and he came to the launch event, so that was great.
3: Right. He's an economist, and he inspired this kind of interesting organization, mm-hmm. so that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. OK. And uh, so do you have the same mission as Table for, for, to Japan?
4: So we do have same mission here in the US to tackle obesity and hunger issue. But we have a few different programs and little different focus. So first of all, um, we support uh, children in Africa, but also we support some um, students in the U.S. as well. Mm. So it's a developed countries, but hunger is like one of the main issues in the U.S. Mm. So it's a you know, one in six children they're in hunger. They don't know when the next meal comes. Right. So we're trying to work on this issue, but. We're not sure no. what we can do with twenty five cents and then what we found is that uh, those schools in low income communities you know they sometimes can't afford to have very healthy school meals so we decided to um, you know help them to have healthier school meals with twenty five cents mm. healthy meal means with more you know using fresh you know vegetables and fruits and freshly made every day and no additives so Mm. We have that
3: right. So it's ironic that people tend, who doesn't have much money tend to have more processed food because it's mass made and it's totally not nutritional. <laughs> right. So. That's uh,
4: you know. First, we study hunger and obesity. Would you know think about different population, but it's kind of like co- you know correlated. Mm. So in the you know community who are suffering from hunger, they kind of. They tend to suffer from the other health issues like obesity, diabetes as well.
3: Mm, Right. So Mm. diabetes is really becoming serious for young kids too. Mm -hmm. It's very important, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, what kind of, uh, you know, the communities are you talking about? New York City communities right now? Yeah, we support schools
4: in New York community and also New Jersey and DC and uh, some of the schools in California. So. so our partner organization, um, they want to support some of the schools in the, their local uh, neighborhood. So mm. uh, that's how we, um, you know, finding schools and start supporting. Okay.
3: So with the, you know that the school, uh, American School Initiative, started because of uh, the request from uh, the companies that you work with? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, actually many corporations in the U.S., they want to support um, local schools, but that's kind of their customers are looking for. For example, we um, partner with um, nationwide sushi chain like Genji Sushi. So they do have operation all over the, in the U.S. Mm. and they launch like healthy bento, and then just twenty five cents from the proceeds will be donated to Table for Two. But they want to support local schools. Mm. Uh, that's. Actually, many customers, especially health-conscious customers, are very socially conscious, and they really appreciate that kind of, you know, mm. company's effort.
3: That's wonderful, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so, um, so what's uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, actual programs in this country. So, um, Alexis and George, uh, what's your responsibility respectively at the,
5: at the table for two? Uh, yeah, so I am the pro- the program coordinator of New York City for the Washok Project, which is a new initiative from Table for Two that was launched last year. Mm. And so um, I'm kind of involved in a lot of the uh, operational and administrative um, sides to getting a program uh, up and running. So I help with um, a variety of, of writing assignments, but also um, helping to find schools, learning about navigating the... Um The requirements required by the Department of Education and working with the team generally mm-hmm. to help create the curriculum and uh, find enthusiastic teachers and volunteers who want to implement it. Mm, okay. And Josh.
6: Well, I'm the lucky one who gets to be uh, in the classroom with the students. So um, it's been a really uh, great pleasure to uh, be right there and hands-on and be able to kind of implement these uh, courses that uh, we've all designed together um, and that um, you know, the, uh, the students really seem to be responding to. Mm. So um, we, of course, have sites in, in Boston and, and uh, D.C. as well. Uh, but for New York, um, you know, along with a really great team of uh, volunteers, mm-hmm. um, I help uh, the students work through the program and learn about Japanese food and learn about food education. and uh,
3: OK. So that's the Washokuik program. And then I think before that, we should talk about uh, the Onigiri project, because the Washokuik project is based on the success of Onigiri mm-hmm. project, right? Yes. So let's talk about it quickly. So quickly or just as much time as you want to take, okay. because it's so interesting.
4: Yeah. So, so we, um, we've been having like unique project. It's called Change the World with Onigiri Rice ball. So we just started this year. So um so every fall, World Food Day is October sixteenth. Around the day, over you know, hundred countries celebrate this day to increase the awareness of food related issues. So Tablefor two always do campaign around this time. So in two thousand fifteen we started this unique um, program. So we chose Onigiri Rice Bowl is like made from rice and inside, you know. Anything you know, tuna mayonnaise or plum, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like Japanese love to eat that all the time. So how it works is pretty simple. Um, you just eat or make onigiri mm-hmm. and take photo and just upload to the campaign website or your social media with hashtag onigiri action, and then actually our sponsor company will donate five school meals per photo.
3: Wow. Mm. Yeah.
4: So it's a kind of global campaign. Anybody in the world can, you know, make onigiri. Rice is available anywhere, and just you know, take a photo, and you can provide school meals. Mm,
3: so you can purchase or you can make your own, then mm-hmm. take a picture and mm-hmm. five meals will be donated. Great! And then the, the campaign is running from October fifth through November fifteenth, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. So again, hashtag. Hashtag
4: onigiri action. Onigiri is O N I G I R
3: I, right? So I mean, you mentioned it briefly, but you know, let's talk about the onigiri. So, what is special? But like you could have been sandwiches or something else, right? Mm-hmm.
4: So, if you go to Japan, you might see everybody is eating onigiri all the time. If you go to a convenience store, you know, you see thirty different kinds of onigiri. So, this is kind of, like, you know, many people have memory. Usually, like parents make for their kids grandparents make for their grandchildren it's like a symbol of love Mm. and so sushi is so famous but onigi is kind of like soul food for japanese right and so table for two is a non-profit study in japan we wanted to have some you know japanese theme also you know we want many people to you know think about the children who need help. So that's why we chose this, you know, onigiri for this uh, campaign, like, symbol. Mm,
3: right. whenever there's a disaster, I mean, first thing people donate as food is onigiri in Japan. So that really symbolizes everything about...
4: Yeah, you know, something you feel, like, warm. You know, you might have some memory around Yeah, onigiri. it's like,
3: you know, it's just running through my head right now.
4: Yeah, so that's why uh, we introduced onigiri here in the U.S. and other countries. But, you know, first time they make it, They try it, but they love. It just I don't know. Onigiri have some power, you know.
3: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Energy put into food (laughs) that goes through your body, so it's it's important culturally, right? And uh, so again, so this onigiri campaign was so successful that there's a new program called the Washokuik Project. So, what is Washokuik Project?
4: Okay. So, what is uh, Washokuik Project, a new uh, food education program? So we teach um, healthy Japanese food and its culture. So Washoku Iku is a combination of the word Washoku, Japanese food, and Shoku Iku, like food education. Mm. So um, in Japan, like food education is very big. So we kind of got inspiration from the Japanese style food education.
3: Mm. Okay, and uh, why is Japanese food effective to educate children about healthy
5: eating? So I'll take I'll take that question. Um, Japanese culture right now is amazingly popular with with young kids. I mean, compared to when I was growing up, when I was first becoming interested in Japan, um, a lot of the pop culture things like anime and manga, and even eating Japanese food, it was it was so difficult. Um, it still it wasn't something that was necessarily mainstream, but within the past 10 to fifteen years, it's just really taken off. And um, the children and the youth, you know, they know a lot about Japan through watching anime and reading manga and sushi, you can find it at convenience stores. It may not be very good, but you can, you can find Japanese food so much more easily. However, a lot of the things that um, kids are most aware of when it comes to Japanese food is sort of these pop, more popular sort of street dish items like ramen and, you know, kind of fast and simple sushi, American-style sushi. And so, but, the, but that interest for Japan and Japanese food is there. And so tapping into that, basically, you know, we want it's a jumping off point. They, they already have this interest. And so by um, pushing them a little bit more to try something new, to try something different, to allow them to dig a little bit deeper into a culture that they're already interested in um, is really what um, we think that is its most effective mm-hmm. uh, way that we can get children excited about this program because, because the interests already exist there. Mm, right.
6: Absolutely, and when you combine that with food that is just, you know, in many ways, calorie for calorie, more healthy than what they're eating, you know, in a normal cafeteria environment, you know, we get a real chance to take that kind of cultural curiosity and that new way that, uh, you know, young people are able to interact with Japan in a way that I think was not, you know, the same when, when I was growing up, certainly. Um, and then take that sort of fundamental healthfulness and put those things together to create a program that's really beneficial to them.
5: Mm, interesting. And, and and just to sort of jump off of that, I think that there's, even in young kids nowadays, there's there's more of an interest in cooking than there was when, mm-hmm. when we were a bit younger. Absolutely. And the thing about um, Japanese food, you know, I'm, I'm not Japanese. I, I was raised Italian-American. I taught myself to cook Japanese food. And... The thing about it is, once you've kind of mastered the the sort of basic ingredients and seasonings, it's applicable to pretty much any type of vegetable or, or meat. It's really, you know, it's it's the aesthetics and it's the, it's the flavorings that make it, but it's not something, I think it, it seems maybe a lot more exotic than it actually is, but homestyle Japanese cooking is really something that is... Um, Something that anyone can do once they've learned the basic skills. And I think mm. that that's what we're trying to teach mm-hmm. in the Washokuiku program, amongst other things. But as this program, Japan Eats, is about demystifying Japanese food culture, so is Washokuiku as well.
3: Mm, right. Interesting. So, yeah, and then, like you said, uh, Alexis, you know, the sushi is now, like everybody, every kid's now, maybe 30 years ago. Like, why do you eat raw fish, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it's the things are changing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, people talk about, like, should we be vegetarian, or vegan? But if you're Japanese, like three three days a week, maybe you're vegetarian, mm-hmm. right? It's the kind of way you, you eat is, it's a lot of vegetables. You can have tofu, and you can, you know, pescatorian. It's like crazy. Without knowing it, you are eating healthy. Right. Because I think the country has been poor for a long time, and we <laughs> learned how to balance the food too. So yeah, I think
4: there are a lot of technique that you know people can eat vegetable in a kind of tasty, tasty way in a fun way. So
3: I think right. that's good, and because it's based on the seasons, <laughs> I think. So okay, and uh, so the recently documentary filmmaker at school Quirk, joined me on episode 90 and talked about Japanese school lunch program. And uh, I was very impressed at how things work, but for listeners who are not familiar with Japanese school lunch system, how do you describe the difference between Japanese Shokuiku and uh, existing uh, school lunch programs in the U.S.?
5: Um, so the difference between Japan and America is pretty much night and day, and as someone who studies this, um, trying to explain it to a lot of Americans, it, it's difficult for them to comprehend it first. but. Basically, um, you know, first things first, in 2005, the the government passed a law that there was going to be food education in in all schools in Japan. So, you know, the government is behind um, teaching children more about the food, where it comes from, and making sure that what they're eating is much more nutritionally balanced. So that's, you know, the the playing field is very much, very different, I think, um, Mm. than the United States in that respect. And then as far as you know, day-to-day, if you, if you went to a Japanese school, the, the differences are that, um, for the most part, meals are made fresh every day. Either it's um, in an off-site location or it's in the schools, and the, the ingredients are, you know, you have potatoes that are whole, and you, you peel off the skin. So you're, you're talking about whole foods, mm. and um, these are used to make a meal fresh. And then the um, the meals themselves are distri- picked up and distributed by the children and brought to their classrooms. So for a lot of schools, not all, but a lot of schools don't have cafeterias, and they eat the lunch together communally in the room, mm-hmm. and the, the homeroom teacher supervises the lunchtime activities. And the children themselves actually distribute the food amongst their classmates. So, like, they're, the the school lunch ladies are, are, are the women in the or the men in the kitchen working, um, but then the actual distribution part comes from the children. So there's a lot of important lessons that they learn in this daily distribution process, such mm. as responsibility and hand-eye coordination and treating everyone fairly. So, um, you know, the meals that they eat, how they eat them, are all are all quite different, mm-hmm. and um, and it's supported. It's it's supported by the government to continue to be defined and refined and, and improved upon.
3: Mm, right. Yeah, I still have uh, strong memories about Japanese school lunches. That's very educational, and it's kind of very social. And you learn how to eat, not at the table by itself, but how you interact with other people, how you say thank you to lunch ladies mm. and you know friends who's in charge of distributing food today. Yeah, yeah.
4: And it's it's not really allowed to leave food, you know, you have to eat. It's the word called multinight and then but yeah, in the US the time is really limited. So if they want to finish but they have they don't have enough time. So I think there's a some you know, big difference.
2: Mm.
6: Yeah, so you know, instilling that set of habits I think is a you know other important aspect of what we're trying to do with the Wachukwiku project. You know, as you can sort of get from the you know, dual nature of the of the name of the program itself, um, you know, we're looking at you know, creating an awareness of Japanese food culture and food, you know, ingredients and sort of healthy eating through those specific kinds of um, of, of intake. But we're also interested in those kind of habits of healthy eating that you can bring back that create a knock on effect in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. That are able to um, to, you know, bring not only the sort of um, types of thankfulness that we talked about uh, briefly before, um, but also, you know, ideally using those ingredients that you can get your hands on here in the States with some of those simple flavors um, to, you know, really be able to create these things on your own and to be able to um, sort of change your food lifestyle a little bit in mm-hmm. a way that is not just, you know, about the sort of boundaries of the lunch itself.
3: Right. Okay. So, but by the way, how did you guys come up with this, uh, the washo program?
4: So um, as I mentioned, like, table food to support some of the schools in the US to have healthier school meals. So like, sometimes, you know, I visit the school. And then when I ask the student, what do you think about the healthy meal? And I got very honest feedback. You know, like, why you change this? I just want pizza and chocolate milk. <laughs> and I was shocked. But at the same time, I was like, oh, maybe just providing you know, healthy meals maybe in- not enough. They have to understand why they have to eat healthy, and you know, what the benefits. Mm. And then so we kind of started to research about food education you know, in in the US. And we just found out it's opportunities are very limited. Mm. So there's you know, some portion. It's not priority is not that high. Um, so and just the, we realized the need of the food education. And then through the onigiri action, we've done many onigiri and obento workshop and realize kids to adults here in the US very interesting learning about, you know, Japanese food. And then I thought this is a great angle to, you know, teach, make the students to be interested in food. Mm. So we, you know, then I uh, got this idea and found the team members like Alexis Josh and also Deborah Samuel, who is a um, cookbook author. She's uh, developing the curriculum and... Uh, Boston University professor Mary White so we
3: got a great team and
4: Mm, could launch
3: this right and I heard that you had the first pilot program in New York City and you are now gradually expanding the program so when and where did it happen the pilot program happened and uh, how did it go
6: um, well, we had our first uh, pilot program, a, a three-session program out of uh, seven sessions that we have planned for the full program. Uh, we held it uh, the, in the New York site. We held it at the Community Health Academy of the Heights um, up in Harlem, uh, and it was uh, really a wonderful experience. We were able to cooperate with their after-school programs um, in which they already have a, um, a cooking ambassadors program, they call it, in place mm-hmm. um, to uh, you know give students a sense of you know, how kitchens work and how basic cooking skills work. But food, obviously, that's very different than the kinds of things that we're trying to accomplish with, with the Washakuiku project. Um, so we were able to work with them and to bring Japanese food into those classrooms for the first time. And, of course, to bring in um, the kinds of senses of ownership over your health and um, the, the you know, different uh, sort of um Cultural education programs that we were interested in as as well. Um, so we had three sessions. Uh, the first one was on uh, rice-based foods, another on foods from the sea, and then a third on bento arrangements. And all three of those will, you know, be featured um, in the full program as well. But we picked those out to be the kind mm. of beginnings of the of the pilot as well.
3: Right. Sounds fun, especially bento arrangement. It's kind of interesting, fun project for them too. Absolutely. Case,
6: right? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, all all of the um, meals are served in a bento. One of the sort of ways that we Instill this this um, sense of interest and ownership in your in your diet and in your health is by giving every student their own bento at the beginning of mm. the class that they are responsible for cleaning and packing, um, and then every meal that we make is served in uh, mm. the bento. But that. Um, session that we highlight the bento specifically is a real opportunity to get a sense of um, not only the the background of how, um, you know, parents make bentos for their children and how, you know, the, the sort of ubiquitous bento box that's, you know, all over the place in... in um, you know, whether whether it's in, um, you know, a convenience store, whether it's coming from home, whether you're making it yourself. Mm. Um, so getting that sort of sensibility, but also sort of understanding, you know, play of different colors and play of different um, sort of nutritional elements and trying to put those all together in a way that makes sense and is fun for the kids, too.
3: Mm. That's very fundamental, because, you know, like you said, colors, five mm-hmm. colors. Mm-hmm. As suppose as you have five colors, your nutrition in the box is balanced. So that kind of thing
6: right so that's that's one of the aspects of our lesson and we have a, a slide that you know we put up and uh, talk about every session how those colors are sort of appearing in the in the bento that we make in that particular day so mm. we try to really bring those uh, lessons into the plan as well
3: right. so what were the reactions of the kids they're happy and enjoy the food they made
6: they loved it I was um, really impressed with their willingness to try new things mm. Um you know, students everywhere, kids everywhere have likes and dislikes. It's true in Japan as well. Um, but the sense of adventurousness was something that I was pleasantly surprised by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the sense that they're having this sort of double exposure both to, you know, new foods that they've never tried before and new ingredients they've never tried before. Um, you know, is was a new way to... Um, Sort of change the frame entirely of what they think they like and they don't like. So some of the foods that um, you know that appear and stuff like you know the broccoli, maybe they took a <laughs> minute or two to get used to, but uh, you know we had um, you know uh, sort of many different kinds of seaweed that we introduced during the foods from the sea session, and by the end we had kids asking for more nori and asking for yeah. more uh, ingredients that they never tried before. So in some ways, um, the the unfamiliarity actually bred this really interesting uh, sort of creativity and willingness to try through new things.
3: Mm. So the program, you said it's the after-school program? Uh,
6: yes, at the moment. So we're we're um, cooperating with the after-school program in this mm. particular school. Right. Um, so the students are um, sort of involved with it through that.
3: Mm. So Git can opt in for the program, or everybody has to participate once at school?
5: In. So- in this case, uh, for New York, we partnered with an existing sort mm. of after-school program that, that okay. was there. Um, in our other schools in, in Boston and in D.C., the, the format was a little different. So we're mm. trying to create a program that has flexibility and that meets the, um, either the freedom or the limitations of each of the schools. Right. Um, but, you know, as long as the, the school's enthusiastic, we try to uh, work to make this program a reality in whatever shape or form Mm. it ends up happening. But how do you choose the
3: partnering schools? Um, So we have some, you know,
4: we set the school selection criteria, so for the pilot and we, through this table for to work, we already have kind of existing network with schools. Mm. So we choose um, from that and then but um, kind of we are open to we would like to expand to more schools and we just um, confirm that it could you know, benefits to so many you know, type of schools and mm. community organizations.
3: Okay, and uh, who's sponsoring the Washo Quick Program?
4: So, um, first we got a um, grant from US-Japan Foundation to develop this program and implement pilot program, and also more foundation like SMBC Global Foundation and Chalk, and some other Japanese like food companies like Nishiki Rice or George, they've been sponsoring this program, so we could provide this uh, program for free to the schools, and uh, we are hoping to raise more funds and to expand this program.
3: Mm, that's very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, and then you're going to plan to expand throughout the country with this program? Okay. Yes,
4: now we, we established a program, and then we have a training plan, like lesson plans. We have all kind of materials. So if we have instructors like Josh, and we can start the program, and of course we need some funding you know, to, for the operation, but then um, possibly we can do, you know, anywhere.
3: Mm, Great. Okay, and uh, speaking about what kind of age group of kids are you talking about to participate in the program?
6: Well, in the New York site, we had um, our students were mostly um, upper middle school and uh, lower high school students. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, very flexible. And I think that mm-hmm. d- depends very much on the site. And, you know, we'd be open to uh, expanding those as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in D.C., actually, we did like first and second grader wow. and fifth grader. Too. Actually, we found it the same program can, you know, apply to like any like, kind of grade. You know, of course, what they can do, the amount might be limited, but the content itself we can use from very young students to. Uh, high school students, actually, even adults, request to take mm. this program too.
3: Interesting, yeah, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> yeah. Right, and even we uh, had a guest from CIA, Yuan Mata, and they just started formal Japanese culinary program as well. So, from the first grade mm-hmm. to CIA, you can <laughs> have <laughs> Japanese formal yeah. education. Absolutely. Right, okay. So, uh, so where can we find the details of the Washoku program?
5: So you can go to our website, um, which is washokuiku.org, and that's uh, (laughs) (laughs) W-A-S-H-O-K-U-I-K-U.org.
3: Washokuiku.
5: Washokuiku, yeah. And so our entire, um, there's pictures up there from our pilot programs. We have details about what the objectives of the program are. You can meet our staff and our advisors. Um, There's a lot of information there, and um, hopefully we'll have... Um, a little uh, video uh, that highlights our, what we've been up to soon, but that might be in a uh, in a ways in the future still. Mm, okay, so
3: I'll put uh, the link to Washoku Week and uh, mm-hmm. the Table for Two USA on the show page. Um, so um, yeah, so the, it's just uh, where can we find more info to support the Table for Two and Table for Two USA in addition to the Washoku Week program?
4: Yes, um, we have a website for the Table for Two. So for the Table for Two USA, it's usa dot table two. is number two dot org. So for the the other countries, we have like www table two mm-hmm
3: and there's a slash where I found a tab where and oh, you can yeah. see the whole everywhere right you, you see
4: the map world map right? where we are
3: yeah mm-hmm. it's just amazing mm-hmm. so okay and uh, what's your plan for the future I mean the table for to USA mm-hmm. and what about who you guys want to dream about
5: um, well I, I definitely think that we want to continue to um, expand in schools um, in New York Boston and D.C. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be doing that and continuing to find more partner schools as well. So that's, that's, I think is, uh, first and foremost. Mm.
4: So, um, we're, you know, thinking planning to develop like online program, like Mm. to available, you know, for more people. So that's, you know, our next goal. And yeah, as a table for two. Uh, we have kind of simple, you know, program. So with a small step, you can make a big difference, um, You know, like online, we want to use, like, technology ID, maybe partner with, like, meal-delivering service, like Uber Eats. You know, we can make a big Mm. impact with this simple model. And also, I think we have kind of fun program, like, Onigi Action, just, I think, to, you know, solve this world, you know, big issues. I think all the people participating should have fun as well. So Mm. we want to continue, like, fun and creative programs.
3: Right. Yeah, this is amazing. And also, I think uh, I'm impressed at how Table to USA is kind of localized and then really advanced the efforts, which is very interesting. So, yeah, good luck and then uh, keep me posted. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank right. you for having us. So, uh, and uh, thank you for joining us today. You're so busy. so
5: Thank you. Well, it was thank a pleasure you. to be here. So, thank please you.
3: come back all three of you have plans to come back, so. Yes, <laughs>
5: looking forward
3: to it. <laughs> okay, so uh, listeners, uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions uh, for guests or topics of the show, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org and uh, Japanese is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes and Stitcher podcast. And, uh, and engineer, it's David Tasiore and uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.
2: For listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit profit organization